0: Come breathe upon me breath of God breathe upon Time! to Oh, Jesus, I...
1: Most incredible thing for me is that the word of God is in, is powerful but God limits the power of the word to the soil of your heart. Jesus was talking about a parable. He said that Uh, You know, the sower sows seed, the sower begins to scatter seed and and, and throw seed. And when the disciples misunderstood the parable or never understood the parable, they asked Jesus, they said to him, Jesus, what does this mean? And he said to them, the one who sows the seed is the one who preaches the word, who releases the word. But when you look at what happens to the seed, not every seed produces. So as powerful as the word of God is, it is limited to your heart. It is limited to the soil of your heart. So tonight I want to encourage you, whenever you position yourself to receive God's word, always make sure the soil of your heart has been tilled, has been prepared so that the seed, when it lands, it bears much fruit. So for all of us, we need to position our hearts to receive God's word so that we can be bearers of fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But whoever you are, wherever you are, make sure that the word produces something in you. Now, the Bible always calls us to be not only hearers of the word. And I like to add, don't only be a hearer and don't also just be a knower. You know, some people know God's word. The Pharisees knew the Torah. They knew the Pentateuch. They knew, you know, what Moses wrote. They knew the prophets. They knew the law. They knew the Psalms. But they could not move forward because even as much as they knew, they didn't live it. So Jesus was more considerate towards tax collectors and prostitutes compared to how he was with the Pharisees because he called them hypocrites. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, he was always very harsh. And when Jesus spoke to them, he said to them, he said, you know, you're a whitewashed tomb. In other words, you're white and clean on the outside, painted white. But on the inside, you know what a tomb holds? A tomb holds dead bodies. So on the outside, you, you you know, you clean and you look good. But on the inside, what happens is you're dead. So tonight, I want to encourage you as you position yourself to receive what God has for us. I want us to prepare our hearts. We don't have much time. So in, in, in the little bit that you can glean, in the little time that we have, when you do glean, make sure that the word falls onto good soil in Jesus' name. All of us need to move with what God is doing. So, you know, when we, when we position ourselves into a new season now, what we have to understand is that leaders have to be readers of seasons. Leaders and people, the people of God, need to make sure that they understand times and seasons. God commended the sons of Issachar because they understood times and seasons. And you don't only have to understand the timing and the season that you find yourself in. You need to ask yourself, what do I have to do in the season? When you find yourself in the wilderness, it's not just, you know, sometimes you find yourself in a place you don't want to be, but if you are in the place, stop moping, stop complaining, stop murmuring, because the reason why you're ending up in that place for so long is because the wrong thing is coming out of your mouth. You know, wherever you find yourself, death and life still is produced by your tongue. So wherever you find yourself, when you're in a test, in a trial, like we find ourselves in at the moment when life looks different to what it's looked like for, for, for many years, uh, you know, maybe you've you've been around the block, but when you find yourself, you need to ask yourself: Listen, how do I respond with the position I, I I find myself in today? And the Lord gave me an incredible word as we were coming towards this season, and He told me, Chris, you need to learn to find the opportunity in the storm. And this word was really unprecedented in in my heart when we started the year. You know, normally when you set off on a on a into a new year, you start the year off, especially as a pastor of a ministry. You want to position the people in encouragement. You're saying, what's the theme? What is God telling us? How are we positioning our hearts? For us this year, our first series, when we started this year in January, you know what we were preaching about? Spiritual warfare. And I said to the Lord, why are you you positioning us in such a strange way for 2020? Because, you know, we don't always get to see everything ahead of, of time, but God begins to release a word in the good times so that you've got something to stand on in the bad times. So when God began to, to, to speak to us about the season of spiritual warfare, the main thing that was birthed in that season the the main thing that was birthed before all of the craziness came was that we need to put our focus on God and not on the enemy. Remember, whenever you find yourself in a time of testing, never magnify the devil. Many people, when they're going to spiritual warfare, all they're doing is pleading the blood against the devil. They're talking about the devil. They're casting out the devil. Everything is about the devil. What the Lord has shown us is that when you find yourself in a test, always begin to magnify God. And that's why worship... And when Judah is released, it's so important because when your praise is released, when your worship is released, it goes out ahead of you. It it magnifies the father and it takes the focus of the enemy. So I want to encourage you today, whatever's been coming out of your mouth, begin to don't become, don't become numb to what has come out of your mouth. Always take stock of what's coming out of you. And whatever's coming out of you, make sure that it's praise unto God. Make sure that you're magnifying God. You know, there's more people talking about the virus at the moment than what they are about God. Let that not be you. You be different. You be the person that when when somebody's looking at your Facebook profile, your Instagram profile, your TikTok profile, if you've got one, let it be something that reflects who you are in him. You're a new creation. Stop looking like everyone else. When people look at you, they must see hope they must see faith they must see what it looks like to have a response. This is what a Christian looks like when these things happen and one of the key words that the Lord really gave me as we approached the season was to look for the opportunity in the storm and I, I came across this incredible scripture um, where, it's, where where it speaks about Isaac now Isaac had to had to discover God for himself so he he, you know, Abraham had a relationship with God. So God is the God of Abraham, but it doesn't stop there. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now Abraham's son, Isaac, was the son of promise. But it, you know, when you're the son of promise, there's a lot that is, is, is expected of you. So Isaac could not rely on Abraham's relationship with God. He needed to find who God was for himself. So what happens now is Abraham went through a famine and the Bible says this in, 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 in Genesis 26 verse 1. It says that there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So Abraham went through a famine. But now Isaac is in a famine. Now we may be in, a, in, a, in, in something that, that's sort of similar to what a famine would look like. It begins to disrupt life. Nothing looks the same when you're going into a famine. You know, the things you took for granted, just making a meal. It's, it's, you don't just take it for granted because now you don't have the freedom to get access to resource, to get access to ingredients. And for these people who lived in a subsistence economy, that means from hand to mouth. They didn't go to a pick and pay to go and get groceries. So when there was a famine, that means if there's a famine, you don't eat. So what I want to remind you of when the famine came for Isaac, he could have gone back to the default setting. What did my father Abraham do? You know what Abraham did when the famine hit in, 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 in his day? Abraham got a word from God that it was okay to go to Egypt. And when he went to Egypt, God provided for him in Egypt. God took care of Abraham and his children and his wives and everything in Egypt. But, and Abraham was blessed. Abraham was so blessed. And I want to remind you that sometimes what we think is, we think that a famine comes because you are in disobedience to God. Now, I want to remind you, Abraham was in step with God. Abraham messed up when he, when he, when he gave birth to an Ishmael because he was, uh, he was looking to answer God's promise through the flesh. But I want to remind you that Abraham was in step with God's will, yet he went into a famine. Isaac was in step with God's will, yet we see that there was another famine in the land. So not every time that when you come to to the place of testing and to the place of trial, are you there because of of sin or disobedience? So always remember that. So where we find ourselves today, it's not necessarily because of sin, because it's not always that there's a famine because there's sin. Sometimes there's a famine to test what's on the inside of you. So with Isaac, Isaac had to year God for himself. Whenever you find yourself in the place of testing, in the place of of going through a trial, always ask yourself, why has God put me in, in this? Why am I in this? And what is the opportunity in the middle of the storm? When Isaac asked God what the next step was, guess what God told Isaac? God told Abraham, it's fine to go to Egypt. When Isaac had to consider what God's instruction was for him, God said to him, I I command you, do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land where you are. What land was Isaac in? Isaac was the land of Gerar that belonged to the people called the Philistines. And in the land of Gerar, God said to him, stay there. Now it made more sense to leave Gerar and to go to the place of plenty. The place of plenty at that time was Egypt. But it's so interesting. God tells Isaac, remain, stay there. And do you know what happened? The Bible says Isaac sowed in that land where there was famine and he reaped 100 fold. There was an opportunity in the middle of the storm. He sowed into a land where it wasn't raining. He sowed into a land where it looked like nonsensical. How can you stay in Gerar when everybody's moving to Egypt? Sometimes God will tell you to stay, to wait when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes God will tell you to do something. Now, here's the key. The key is this, that you cannot move by fear. You cannot move by formula. You've got to move by God's voice. If Isaac decided to move by formula, he would have said, my dad, Abraham, found himself in the same position. And I remember as a little boy, we made the trek to Egypt. That's moving by formula. He could have moved by fear. There is no way with no rain that when we Puts, when we put seed into the ground, that there's going to be a, a, a harvest. But you know what it looks like? You know, I remember Angus Bucken when he put, you know, that movie Faith Like Potatoes. The most difficult thing about growing uh, uh, potatoes when there's famine is that potatoes is something that when it's growing, you cannot see the, 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 the fruit being produced. You cannot see the fruit, the, the fruit rising up like an apple tree. You cannot see it like an avocado tree. When you look at at potatoes, it's under the ground. So your faith is being tested because you cannot see what God is producing. But I want to encourage you, Isaac sowed when it didn't make sense and God gave him a hundredfold return. Do you know what it looks like? Do you know what happens when you're the only one with food in in the time of famine? You become rich overnight overnight. There's an opportunity in the middle of the storm. But you know what? Right now, stop complaining about what you don't have. Stop complaining that the lockdown got extended. Start asking God, what is the opportunity that is being presented to me? Now, you may, you, may, you, may, you may be thinking, hey, what is the opportunity? And God will speak to you. You see, the most awesome thing about Isaac is that he didn't move by fear and he didn't move by formula and he moved by God's voice. What is God saying to his people today? Each of us, we have a corporate walk with God and you come under a corporate banner. You meet with a corporate people, a corporate gathering. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. There's that corporate coming together and together we move in what God is saying. We come under a corporate vision. But then for your life individually, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Like your fingerprints are unique, God has a unique plan for you. And I want to encourage you tonight. Ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? In this time, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this testimony, but there was a guy that he was on an airplane and as he was eating this bag of nuts on the airplane, all he wanted to do was he ate and he got to the point where he just wanted to keep the rest of the nuts. So what he did was he was looking for something to tie the the remaining nuts in in the bag that he had and he couldn't find anything. At that point, he got a God idea. Now he was, a, he was a god-fearing man, and what he did was he took out a credit card of his and he got this incredible idea to cut out a past, a plastic sheath that would tie the packet and that gave birth to the idea that most of you I mean I 'm stuck in the Netherlands at the moment, and with the bread over here, what do you get? You get your bread and it's, it's, it's held closed with a plastic clip, and that man invented that clip. On that plane today, his granddaughter is the one running that business. It is a million uh, 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 euro company. He's, and that guy got an incredible idea while he was sitting with a bag of nuts. God gave him an opportunity. God allowed him to see and uh, uh, get a creative idea when all he d- needed was just something to tie close his bag of nuts. Now I want you to think about it. He's a multimillionaire. The Bible says that a good man will lay up an inheritance for his children's children. His grandchild is now the director of that, of that company. They patented that plastic clip. So every time you see a bag of uh, 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 a loaf of bread in South Africa, when we see a loaf of bread here in the Netherlands, guess what? When I see that, I begin to see that there was a man that took an opportunity when it looked like, you know, when it looked like so silly, when it looked like it was far-fetched, he, he, he invented something that today it's like, we, you know, I can't even think about the time before. I remember when I was young, my grandmother always used to, <laughs> used to come down on me because, you know, with the bread, we used, she used to knot the bread the bread bag and the pain was always untying that knot. And, you know, sometimes there, there were times when I just left the bread and I would get a smack on the back of my head because the bread would go stale quicker because of the air that gets into it that young man saw an opportunity and it set him up for greatness. It set his family up for greatness. And I want you to ask yourself, what is God revealing to you in this time? What is he saying to you in this time that could be an opportunity in the middle of the storm? Now, whenever we find ourselves in, in times of testing and trial, we need to ask ourselves, why are we in this time? So there's three ways that you get tested. The first way that you get tested is, is I call this stu- the stupid test. The reason why you're in that test, the stupid test, is because you made a stupid decision. Sometimes you're in the time of testing because you made a decision to, 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 you made a poor decision. You just, you, you shouldn't have done that and you did it. You know, you felt God convicting you and you still said, you know what, I'm going to do this. Sometimes you find yourself in the place of testing because you put yourself there. When you find yourself in a test that you put yourself in, You need to do one thing. The action in that time is to repent. The second test you find yourself in is when the devil puts you in a a time of testing. When the devil puts you in the time of testing, there's something you need to do in that kind of test. You need to resist. And then the third kind of test is the kind of test God puts you in. Now you know I'm 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 currently we currently as a church we're in the book of James and and in the book of James it reads like this it says my brethren c- counted all joy when you fall into various trials. Now that word for trials is is such an interesting word. You know that word for trials and for testing and for temptations actually the same word if you if you look in the book of James. And when you fall you know some t- some tests you didn't you didn't put yourself into it you fell into it. Covid nineteen wasn't something we could prepare for. Covid nineteen isn't something you put yourself into. Covid nineteen was something that hit all of us. We all fell into it. So when you fall into various trials, the Bible says you need to have joy. Now I want to tell you that there are some tests that that you didn't set yourself into, and there are some tests the enemy set you into. But then there are tests that God sets you up for. Whenever God puts you in a time of testing. It says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So God will allow you to go through a time of testing because he wants to produce something in you. So there's tests that you put yourself in. You need to repent. If you find yourself in a test that is a test of stupidity, you did something, you were rebellious, make sure you repent. If it's a test the enemy put you in, make sure you resist and stand. After you've done everything you need to do, stand. And if God's put you in a test, you need to endure, you need to persevere, you need to remain steadfast. So, you know, sometimes we take the, there's a scripture in James, it says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. We need to understand the context of that testing of that verse tempt. You know, when we read that word tempt, it's the same word for testing. So then it also reads, let no one say when he's tested, I'm tested by God. And, I, and I, I need to give you some context with that as I'm drawing to a close. I know our time is, is limited tonight, but I need to give you the context for, 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 for that scripture. God can test you. And I want to give you a, a verse. There's a, a verse in John 6, verse 6 for your notes. It says, Jesus tested Philip. John 6 6 it says Jesus tested Philip now Jesus wouldn't do anything that he didn't see the father doing Jesus wouldn't say anything that he didn't hear the father saying so we can look at Jesus life and understand that there's an alignment between what the father does and what Jesus does so if if God doesn't test us Jesus would never have tested us but God does test us so the context of James 1 verse 13 from a testing perspective is that you need to understand the difference between testing and temptation. And the reason why, when they translated the Bible from Greek into English, you will see that they used the word test earlier on in James, and then at that point, they used the word tempt. And I want to explain the difference quickly. When you are tested, when you were in school, you wrote a test. Now, I must tell you that when that exam was set up, that exam wasn't set up for you to pass or for you to fail. The exam was set up for you to test the amount of knowledge in the subject matter you have attained through the year. So that exam didn't set you up to pass and that exam exam didn't set you up to fail. When God tests you, that's the kind of test we are talking about. But a temptation, God will never tempt you because God cannot set you up. What a temptation is set up for is temptation is to set you up to fail. So who does that? The enemy. When the enemy puts a test in front of you, he's testing you up for failure and he's testing you for for sin. He's testing you to fall. So you must understand the difference. When you find yourself in the time of testing, like we all do right now, ask yourself, God, what is the opportunity that I'm not seeing here? Why do you have me in this position? There's always a why to the wilderness. There's always a why to why you are where you are. And I want you to position your mindset differently. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Don't be like the children of Israel that extended their traveling time from 11 days to 40 years because the the wrong thing came out of their mouth. Be different. Be somebody that when the world looks at you, they say there's hope with you. Why are you different? Why do you look look different? Why do you talk differently? There's just something different about you. Whenever I look at you, there's something different different coming out of you there's hope coming out of you there's faith coming out of you so today I want to encourage you be people of hope look for the opportunity in the middle of the storm I want to encourage you to position yourself and ask yourself if you find yourself in times of testing now the virus is one thing it's a global thing but there are things that you find yourself in in your life ask God ask yourself why am I going through this is it me is it what I've done is this the enemy And, or is this you father? Every different testing that you may be going through, the response differs depending on where that test comes from. So I want to encourage you, read James, go and read Genesis 26. Go and look at how Isaac responded and see how God blessed him because he came out with the faith response and he understood he needed to hear God. And when he was listening to God's voice and not to fear, not to formula, God directed and ordered his steps. You know, I want to encourage you with that tonight. I know that's a lot to take in. I'm taking, you know, it's like these things have been my thoughts over months. And I'm condensing all of this for you in, in a short space of time. But I want you to hear what God is saying. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. God has got something in that message for you. Take hold of it. Don't, after this, I want to I want to encourage you to do this as a family Call somebody, if you're a single person, phone somebody, say, hey, I just heard this message. Can I share it with you? Begin to share this message with somebody else and God will begin to give you insight and you will begin to affirm the, the, the information, the knowledge that you've received tonight. When you share, when you teach somebody else, the knowledge gets embedded in your heart. So always remember, don't just stay silent. Begin to call somebody as you're going to have dinner. Talk, to, talk around the dinner table about what God is saying. When you do that, God will begin to quicken. Now it's not anymore just revelation imparted. Now you carry that revelation and you imparting revelation as well. Now it means much more to you. Amen. Amen. I pray that that word would be in season, will bless you.
2: Say the word. And I will sing for you over oceans deep I will follow if each star was a song and every breath of wind praise it would still fail by far to say oh my heart contains I simply live, I simply live for you, so say the word, and I will sing for you, over all Every breath of wind, praise. It was still fail by far to say all my heart contains. I simply live. I simply live. I simply. we yeah.